you know, they say, I never look at a tower the same way after I talk to you because then they are on the road on a road trip and they see these big, massive towers and they say, oh, that's what she was talking about. And so imagine, I mean, you have a workforce that has to be properly trained because the instinct once you are up there is maybe, you know, not being safe enough or not doing the right thing or people saying they can do something, but really one mistake up there can be fatal for for the technician and for their crew. So uh, we really, you know, are doing a great job, I think, as an industry and also training, issuing certifications for the the workforce. And so really creating a standard of safety that that prevents this from happening. And that's where innovation honestly comes from, because when you think about ways that we can do the same things without having to climb the tower, that is a powerful change and a powerful disruption. Just stop it. The run-of-the-mill, cheesy, humdrum bullshit status quo just tires me out. What fascinates me are the industry disruptors, the superhuman frontiersmen or women with errors in their backs who go through hell to achieve their goals. They'll go through anything to make it. They bathe in hell and high water, a cut above. They're intolerant to mediocrity, the status quo, and yet they're the nicest people you'll ever meet. This is Disruption Interruption. Join me as we meet and learn from those mavericks, rebels, and business leaders that aren't afraid to piss off the establishment in order to make radical change for good. This show is sponsored by Johto PR, the disruptive anti-PR firm that murders your competition with cinder blocks and cyanide. Welcome back, everybody, to Disruption Interruption. I'm your host, KJ, and we're here today to talk to another industry leader, that has steered off the lame, tired path of the status quo. We're diving into the dynamic world of telecommunications with a true pioneer at the helm. Our guest, a visionary disruptor and innovator, has transformed the telecom industry while championing workforce development. She has a journey from finance and technology with Merrill Lynch and Nordahl to leading her family's business, Neptuno, and it illustrates her versatile experience. Under her guidance, her company has revolutionized telecommunications infrastructure, contributing significantly to smart cities movement and pioneering in 3D technology. But this is why I love her. Beyond her corporate achievements, she's a published author, mentor, and advocate for women in technology, reflecting her dedication to fostering new talent and empowering small businesses. And there's a lot of attention on small businesses today to empower them with the technology to help them succeed. So today, her insights will shed light on the often overlooked opportunities in the telecom sector. Please welcome the trailblazing CEO of Neptuno USA Corps, Leticia Latino. Thank you. Thank you, KJ. I'm so happy to be here. It's an honor. Thank you very much. Well, I'm happy to have you here. We don't ever talk about telecommunications, like ever in my circles of communication, right? I deal with so many technology companies. It's barely mentioned. It's like a blip, but it's an undercurrent for everything. (laughs) Yes, it is. And it's funny because we all carry a cell phone on our hands every single day. Right. So that's the irony right here. (laughs) So tell me before we get going, tell our listeners, like, what is your fundamental ingredient for disruptive innovation? 
curiosity. I'm a curious person and I always look for ways to do things better, to improve the processes. So I'm always very curious about anything I get involved with. Good. I love that. And, you know, I have heard some of our disruptors say curiosity. It is a consistent interest in life, isn't it? Like, why is that? How does that work? Well, how could that be better? Hmm, right? Absolutely. I follow the why, you know, both in your inner growth and and the outer growth. If you follow the whys, I mean, they take you unexpected places. Yeah, that's a very good point. That's a very good point. So, you know, in that with your career, following the why, let go to telecom. So you come from a financial background, a technology background, and then you're like, you end up in telecom, right? Yep. What has been some of the significant why that has like shaped your direction in telecom? Well, um, definitely, you know, my main why, and I work for the family business now, but for a long time, I, I follow the why would I work for the family business? I want to I wanna do things on my own. I want to gain respect. I want to do, you know, things my way. And so I did that. And then Destiny had it that I ended up from coming from the financial world, as you mentioned, and Merrill Lynch. I ended up at Nortel, which was a telecommunications company and, and where I think where uh, was a big, big foundation for me. And uh, But then, you know, I went through the whole debacle of Nortel going under from 120,000 employees to going bankrupt. And so when I I did go through a layoff process, and so I followed that why, like, why should it be this? Like, this is all good people, knowledgeable people that are doing the, a good job, and yet you're going to end up without a job. And so that's also, that's where I say intersects the why with me as a person, who you are, what interests you, what, what are you, what are you passionate about? And, and, you know, and then your opportunities. And that's why eventually I decided to join the family business because I thought that's where my why could be augmented. Yeah. You know, it's really very interesting. I, I've heard that before too. People want to strike out on their own, right? And then they end yes. up coming back full circle <laughs> to their roots. It's, it's important to come back full circle for you and for others. And, and even then I still have, after 20 some years working in the family business, I still, people say she works for her dad. I mean, they don't say what the company do, <laughs> does or what we do. It's just the important thing is we're work for my dad. So I've, I've learned to deal with it. <laughs> well, that's a really good lesson about going full circle. You mentioned opportunities, right? Before we go into opportunities in the telecom sector, because you really shed some light for me on that. Let's talk about the telecom sector and just how pervasive it actually is. Like, People take it for granted, right? Because they take it for granted, a lot is not known about it, um, yes, nor yes. the opportunities that are there. And because there's so many opportunities there open and people don't know about it, I mean, the industry is struggling to get talent, right? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So let's back up. I mean, our listeners are probably now having a light bulb, but like, let's really spell it out for them. Like, where all does the telecom industry impact our lives? Well, you know, it's uh, it's it's an incredible industry. Let me start saying there, and 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 I, it saddens me when people say, you know, um, there's no career paths in the telecom industry. When you think about, I mean, I'm 50, and I remember being attached to the landline, waiting for the call of the boy I liked, 
And so, you know, and then from there, we were attached to the handshake of the internet, you know, when we would connect uh, our, our cable to, to, the, to the plug so that we can download our emails. Those of you old enough like me to remember that. So, you know, when you think about now watching a full movie on, on our phones, I mean, there's always been men and women, mostly men, uh, technicians enabling us to get that. But I think we've done such a good job at almost, you know, presenting the technology in a way where it's easy, uh, that it, it, it has become a commodity. Commodity. So telecommunications and communications in general um, are now really disregarded in terms of what goes on beyond, behind closed doors or behind or in the field. Uh, and sometimes, you know, people do forget that that signal, to have that signal on your phone, there's somebody up on a, on a tower, you know, risking their lives in the deadliest job in the U.S. Um, to, to, to get you that bar and that good coverage and that good signal. So wow. it's, it's really contradictory in terms of a, a, an industry. And that's why I become so passionate about being an, an ambassador for the industry, an advocate for a workforce, because it's it's really sad to see that uh, we have heroes within the industry that don't get praise enough. Yeah, that's so very interesting. I remember doing a campaign for several years for the trucking industry because the truckers are, you know, heroes of the American shipping and logistics, I mean, worldwide, right? Yeah. You know, the shortage of truckers and, you know, truck drivers and people not realizing that they are the ones that actually ship our goods, right? Absolutely. And then you remember in the pandemic, they all of a sudden became the heroes, right? Those were, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of stories had to be told about that. Tell me about this deadliest job in the U.S. Well, climbing towers is definitely, uh, you know, it's been deemed as uh, one of the deadliest jobs in the U.S. because we had fatalities, you know, uh, recurring, not recurring, fatalities in the industry. You know, the industry also has evolved in terms of the safety of the technicians, but also remember when you drive and, and, and people that get in contact with me are you know, they say, I never look at a tower the same way after I talk to you, because then they are on the on the on the road on a road trip and they see these big, massive towers and they say, oh, that's what she was talking about. And so imagine, I mean, you have a workforce that has to be properly trained because the instinct once you are up there is maybe, you know, not being safe enough or not doing the right thing or people saying they can do something. But really one mistake up there can be fatal for for the technician and for their crew. So uh, we really, you know, are doing a great job, I think, as an industry and also training, issuing certifications for the the workforce. And so really creating a standard of safety that that prevents this from happening. That's where innovation honestly comes from, because when you think about ways that we can do the same things without having to climb the tower, that is a powerful change and a powerful disruption. Yes, it is. I mean, I sometimes am surprised to find out that there there aren't technological advancements when I hear about them that, oh, they haven't been being done. (laughs) Right. You know, people still climb towers like I would have thought just of my ignorance that all of that was handled remotely. Is that, is <laughs> yeah. that no, it's not about thought. There's a lot right now that is handled remotely that wasn't handled remotely, like an antenna. You could be before you had to manually move the antenna. Right now there's technology where you can remotely 
move the antenna, but the antenna has to get there somehow. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and the tower, which is what my company does, we not only engineer the tower, but we actually build the tower and stack the tower. So when our guys go and field, there's no tower to begin with. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are talking in a scenario where the tower is there, but, uh, you know, even before it's like a building before there's a tenant on the building, there's no building and there's somebody that actually has to build it. So that's really how, how the whole process starts. So very interesting. And I love it that, you know, you're always continually iterating like best practices and certification and training. And, and I do know when people are that skilled and that trained and they do have you know, that much liability in their job. Training is way more important. It's so much more important. Um, But they're also remunerated to that degree as well, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. The career paths that our uh, workforce has it's surprising to many because you can be an apprentice, you know, where you can become an apprentice and get the basic training, which within the month that a young person maybe leaves, uh, you know, high school or, you know, you maybe want somebody in the 20, early 20, because it needs to be responsible. But, you know, uh, then they, they might be making 50000 you know, of, of the bat because there's a shortage because it's a technical uh, kind of job because not many people can do it and it requires several skills. The the one thing that I we also emphasize is that telecommunications is not only the tower. There's many jobs within what we call the broadband uh, ecosystem. Now the broadband is you know the wide like, like the big powerful data let's say pipes. Um, that really don't require you to climb towers. So that's also a misconception. Like people focus on the tower because it's very visible, but there's many jobs, you know, project management, construction manager, you know, uh, splicer for fiber that that really don't require any climbing. And these jobs, when you have experience, uh, are very high paying jobs. And I think people get shocked when they realize the opportunities that maybe kids that don't like to go to college, that don't like to work in an office, could get uh, through a career path in, in in this industry. Yeah, I really like that you mentioned that because not everybody is fit for college. And we've had vocational programs that have disappeared from our educational system for the past two plus decades, right? And I know particularly in my state, your state as well, state legislators have been working to get vocational programs back because the the high debt for people going to college that end up not doing their career or not doing what they went to school for, right? And people needing to get into the workforce and start making good money and the lack of people filling the jobs that are most critical for us, right? Absolutely. That's a great point. I think one of the things I can say firsthand that the U.S. is doing a big push. It's true that we're behind Europe in terms of the apprenticeship model has been big in Europe forever. Germany, you know, a lot of young people don't even pursue a college degree. We have great careers, you know, that put them right into middle class. And I think here in the U.S., maybe part of the American dream is you come here and you go to college and we all attach ourselves to that. But I think the government is trying to do a really good job. There's great apprenticeship programs. TIRAP is a telecommunications apprenticeship program. Uh, and, and so there's a lot, but it's just we are doing as an industry a bad job, I think, at getting the word out there, like 
uh, creating awareness about about these very topics. But yeah. definitely there's a, a lot going on. And if I may say, with the Infrastructure Investment Jobs Act, um, you know, out of the trillion dollars that is going to go into infrastructure, $65 billion are coming into the broadband industry. So we were already short 20,000 technicians as it was, you know, without that extra money. Imagine what's going to happen when this money is starting to flow uh, starting 2024. Some of it is trickling already into some states, but the big hit is going to be 2024, 25, and 26. So that shortage is going to be, you know, exponential if we don't train uh, people and, and do it right. Can you give me that statistic again? I'm like shocked. <laughs> yeah, well, the, the 20,000, uh, there's, you know, the number that even the FCC level, uh, you know, Commissioner Brendan Carr, the FCC is very, very passionate. I always give him uh, a knowledge he's effort because he goes climbing towers, um, you know, and, and, and engages with the workforce. And, and they have estimated we are short 20,000 20, telecom technicians to deploy 5G at the pace we need to deploy it to keep uh, uh, global leadership. And also on the broadband, you know, to really connect America. This is something I think no matter uh, what your interests are, nobody can argue that everybody should have internet access. And that's really something that I know that the industry and governments and uh, all both sides of the aisles are really trying to push uh, the connectivity, uh, you know, plan. Yeah. You know, you're right. I can see that. Like you said, the biggest challenge is the industry is not doing enough to to get the word out. What do you feel like, what more should be done in that? Because I look at this and then I go, oh my gosh, I'm a concerned citizen. You know, my yes. broadband's going to go down. Oh my gosh. you know, Or, you know, people are very interested in 5G or, you know, tell me what you think they should be doing better. Well, the industry, I say, when I say and I'm part of the industry, I think it's not, that, it's not necessarily that we're doing a bad job. It's like it doesn't interest everybody, anybody so much. I think we have, you know, the wireless carriers, um, you know, they are huge. They have ads on our TVs daily. I mean, they should be putting some, I always say, if they devoted 10 seconds of every advertising piece that they put out, uh, to like calling people and making them aware, like join our workforce. There's good paying jobs here. And this is the, the webpage, you know, that outreach is very important. And I don't think we have done an intentional outreach as an industry. Uh, we are doing some of us that are passionate about it. You know, I know there's broadband careers. There wasn't anywhere where you could go look at, okay, if I want more information, where do I go? Now, you know, there's people that have put together the broadband careers and trying to create, you know, more buzz. And I'm personally excited about uh, here in South Florida working with junior achievements, which, you mm -hmm. know, it's uh, a lot of kids get their hand-on simulation for real jobs at junior achievement. And a junior achievement of South Florida has been amazing because they have uh, showcased interest into creating a pre-apprenticeship program for telecom that we're trying to um, put together. And so I contacted local, like even uh, government officials. So we had Congresswoman uh, Wasserman Schultz. She came and she said, broadband is important. This is how we're going to do it. So the next step is trying to have like a hands-on storefront at Junior Achievement where the kids can actually climb a mock tower and start learning about this when they're very young. Oh my gosh. I love that. I absolutely love that. 
you know, what are all the ways you mentioned 5G, you mentioned broadband, right? But, you know, <laughs> dumb it down for me. Like how, what, what does telecom affect in my daily life? My cell, right? My streaming video, you know, what else? I'm thinking of medical technology, like remote, like uh, patient access. Like, tell me. <laughs> let's, let's Everything. Well, you know how you try it? Uh, when, once you have an outage in your region, uh, in your house, then you, you will really get hit by how much. But I was recently in D.C. and I thought it was very interesting. There was a, a uh, exhibit going on about the things that the cell phone or the smartphone has replaced. So that we don't use as much or we don't use anymore because we now do it through our smartphone was exhibited there. So imagine newspapers exhibited there, uh, like the records. I mean, one's used to calculators. Everything that you don't use anymore because you have a smartphone was exhibited there. And there were thousands of things that were exhibited there. So of course, the, the smartphone is the delivery, but you need the highway in which all this data travels. And that's where I think when people say, well, what's the difference with 3G and 5G? And I always say, well, it, the, you know, the, the lower Gs, 1G and 2Gs, and, you know, it's like you have a highway with one road, you know, with one street. And now you have all these cars, like if there's a hurricane alert and everybody's trying to leave Florida, you know, and that hurricane alert, you know, when you see the cars, you say, this is never going to happen. There's no roads. And this is what's happening right now. There's a, a data tsunami and we need higher roads, which is the broadband, you know, so you have fixed wireless and even satellite technology now for connectivity, uh, where you're really enlarging those highways and making them, you know, capable of 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 holding because Anything, any connected device, like the fridge is now connected. The, I mean, your Alexa is connected. Anything that is connected. Uh, Everything is connected. Things, it will affect connectivity. It will affect the job we do. Wow. I mean, you know, I'm thinking of telemedicine. That's blown up since COVID, Absolutely. right? That was a big catalyst for that. I mean, that's huge now, right? Yes. You yes. have remote monitoring for patients. I mean, we have what's happening in hospital and healthcare systems. I mean, you need the telecom to support all of that technology and the systems. And you're right. You know it when the power goes out or you know it when something goes down, right? Absolutely. Gaming. I mean, it, the gaming, the virtual learning, uh, even this teleconference. I, I, I Today I had an outage on my office and so I'm taking this from home. But it's funny because I had a conference call, well, uh, you know, and it was like five people. And it, we spent like 15 minutes trying to see how I was going to get connected. And I say, can we just do the old fashioned call? Just conference me in. It's almost like talking about disruption. We were all disrupted by video call and we weren't using it to use to do it. And now all we do is video calls. Like, and we sometimes True. forget that the old fashioned way is just, okay, we're not going to have video, but we can still have the call. So <laughs> we didn't have the call. The old fashioned I know, way. And we reminisce, right? Like, remember when we didn't have cell phones and, you know, people had to call, had to find you? <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. And sometimes you want to go back to, to that moment. So I'll do a little plug because, you know, I'm a, po I'm a podcaster too. But I actually interviewed the inventor of the cell phone. 
I and saw so, that. Tell me how yeah, that went. Marty Cooper. So I, if anybody's in, you know, fascinated by the telecom conversation we're having, I mean, imagine having the man that made the first mobile call. He's 94 and he is so humble. So, I mean, and he's an innovator. I mean, in our conversation, he was talking AI. He's 94 and that he's just looking to the future. And it's just very exciting, you know, to, to talk about disruptors and people with curiosity. You would think you invented the cell phone and you you went, you know, you, you retire. No, you're not doing it anymore. You're going to go retire on a beach. No, he's he more. He works every day and he continues to innovate. He's amazing. Wow, that is amazing. Okay, so back to this 20,000 shortage, right? Yes. You know, you mentioned some of the job opportunities that were open, but I honestly believe that you've said that there's a lot of opportunities for women in telecom, right? Let's talk about that. Yes, there is. You know, the, the, the women is one of the things that uh, it's also a little sad. It's definitely a male-dominated industry. Um, and and the jobs that are made available for the women, sometimes, unless you're an engineer, you know, you kind of go into the HR, marketing, if, you know, and it pains me because I mentor young women and uh, in high school. And when I go and ask, what do you want to be? You know, like 80%. It's between teacher and nurse. Um, and so you you can really realize that what we do and how we empower, you know, younger women and little girls, uh, you know, is really what transfers into what they want to become. And so that's why I believe that planting the seed that you can be an engineer if you want. You can be, you know, um, technical response uh, commercial uh, officer if you want. I mean, there's so many jobs uh, that women men can do in the industry. And, and I really think we need to do a better job into let, not only on the technical side, there's also a lot of technicians that could be women. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, you know, when you have to carry a load going up on a tower, you do need some physical strength, but we have some tower climbers that are amazing that are women. So I just think it's the same effort. Um, I, I always say it's not about being one of the boys. It's about being part of the team. Um, so I think if the, if this is an industry that interests you, there's definitely tons of jobs that a woman can do in, within the industry. I agree. And, and don't you think technology is making it easier for women to, you know, take part in these jobs that have been notoriously all male? Like I, I was thinking of trucking. There's more women getting into trucking, but, you know, the trucks are much easier to drive and they use AI and simulators and training and it's great opportunities for women. I'm sure that there's similar things in telecom. I, I absolutely think that's certainly a point. And they're also, I don't know, and I don't have, I know you like your statistics and your facts. I do. I love them. I, I think we officially have more girls graduating college and even enrolling in college than the men. So I don't know where I read it, but it's true. And, and it's a little scary because they were saying, you know, why the boys, why the men are not engaging with college not to go back to, you know, the college, but but yeah. there's a reason why. And it's important to understand. I don't know if, you know, I do believe that there could be some some diversity fatigue. So that's why I, I always say for me, diversity is not about the gender. It's more about the diversity of thought, diversity mm-hmm. of perspective, diversity of experience. 
And so when you have a woman join your team and it's all men, that woman can bring a different perspective that the men, you know, are not bringing to the table just because that's the nature of who we are. That's why marriages are the way, you know, if it's a, you know, man and woman thing, you, you kind of hear a different perspective and that's usually the struggle there. Yeah. <laughs> so but it also can work very dynamically, right? Because you get feedback from your partner and you're like, oh, I never thought of it that way. Absolutely. In 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 different, per- I think there's growth in different perspectives, and I think that's why building diverse teams, you know, all along, not just culturally, under every aspect of that diversity uh, definition, is very important. Yeah, I agree. You can see the diversity of more women in fintech and how that's changed the industry, um, especially in you know the e-commerce and payment side, because they're typically the ones that buy the products, right? Yes. And so absolutely. they understand sort of the trials and tribulations of being a consumer, which has affected that particular industry. So I I think a diverse, you know, diversity in telecom could be very good. Yeah, and I think we're definitely making progress, but ultimately the 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 challenge is, you know, it's uh, on the women, you know, women's inclination to be caregivers to both the elderly and the young. And so we do take a step back on our careers uh, if we decide to be a caregiver to somebody. Mm-hmm. And and so, yeah, it's something that you you, I always say you cannot have it all. Uh, I come from a traditional family. My mom is Sicilian and my my dad too. So uh, she was a housewife. So my struggle is I want to be like my mom at home, but I want to be like my dad, entrepreneur <laughs> in business. So it's almost like impossible to reconcile. <laughs> you know, I have the same thing. We weren't Sicilian, but it was the same thing. Right. right? So I think that's something that wo- women struggle more than men. Absolutely. On that, because we always feel guilty if we are not doing something for our kids. And I sometimes tell my husband, I envy, and it's not only him because he's part of the DNA. I have a son and I have a daughter. And I always say we are a better marriage because we have one of each, because we see things in our kids that are part of the DNA. It's not mm-hmm. about being a man. It's just boys and men. I see it in my son. Behaviors that is not that he's trying to do disregard me or, you know, but it's just who he is. And so... Right. We have to be to accept that we're different. I mean, the the whole not concept of we want to be equal to me, that's, you know, there's something there that it's impossible to achieve because we are not equal. I agree. I don't see how you can be diverse and different and be equal at the same time. It's pretty much an oxymoron, right? Yes. I, I do believe in equal opportunity. Yes. Admitting that we are not equal. Yeah. We are not equal, which is kind of strange. Yeah, it's a little little unintuitive, isn't it? Funny. Yes. So what's on the horizon for Neptuno? What are you, you guys are doing some really cool stuff. Like what's, what's it like in the next few years? What do you see on the horizon? Ah, if I had a crystal ball, right? To see the horizon. (laughs) Well, I have a challenge that, you know, I keep my dad's legacy. My dad is 89 and he's still very active. And our company was founded in Venezuela many years ago. And so we have had certain, you know, let's say in a geopolitical situation that we've had to deal with to, to say in a nutshell. But that's why I took the challenge of uh, setting shop here in the U.S. and developing a new market. And that's why really the innovation came about and say, what can we do that's also different? What can we bring to the industry? So the interesting and exciting part is we started doing the digital twins, like virtualizing 
uh, the telecommunication sites in 2009. And, and we were too early. We were probably because we are on the fields installing the towers. So we saw the problem way before a lot of people that are not on the field every day saw the problem. And so, but now you hear about drones, you see the digital twins of everything. So the timing now it is right. And so I think what excites me on the horizon is now, even if those plus 10 years of frustration of people not seeing the opportunity, not seeing the benefit of the innovation, now people are seeing the benefit of the innovation. And, you know, we are very well prepared to really get, see it through because now we had all this under our belt, all the learning curve already under our belt. And so I'm very excited now to, to see what the technology can do for the industry. That's very cool. Yes, I'm excited too. I, I'm excited for you. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you. Well, you can still join the telecom workforce. It's never too late. <laughs> I could be a storyteller. Yeah, we need those to create yeah. awareness about the industry. Totally. Okay, so what do you do like outside of, you know, Neptuno and telecom? Like, what are your crazy passions? I mean, I know you have a podcast and you have two kids. Yes, I do. And, you know, I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm passionate about connecting to people. And that's really where my podcast came across or around rather, because uh, when I have an inspiring conversation such as this one, I want everybody to listen. I want to know like, oh, I wish that person would have listened to that. Like me having this chat with the inventor of the cell phone. Well, now, because of one of my passion is connecting and inspiring and being an agent of change, I created the Back to Basics podcast. And so that's definitely one of my passion projects. You know, I love connecting with people. So that's really across the theme. And uh, I like sports and boating and uh, outdoors for the most part. So yeah, and family, I'm very family oriented. Just just spending time with people you love. Yes, I I've love seen your it. video with you like goofing around with your family. You guys seem to have a lot of fun. Yeah, we have to say yes. And I married an engineer who's also a musician. So that 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 comes in handy for that. <laughs> Those are two dichotomies, right? Engineer and yes. a musician. That's pretty awesome though. Yes, absolutely. Well, and you know, there's a lot of engineers that are musicians. I've learned this after I married my husband. It's oh, very really? interesting. Yes. It's almost like they have these two sides of the brain. Uh, and and it's incredible, but there's many. It probably makes them better musicians. Well, I don't know what the theory is, but I, I can tell you that my husband is a different person when he's wearing the musician hat totally. and vice versa. And one of the things, and I and I know we're digressing, but I, I think it's important for, anyway, that he always tried to separate the two. And when you talk about storytelling, and I used to do that the same way, like I work for the family business, but I, I like this and I'm a podcaster. Some people thought I was going to quit my job when I started doing the podcast. They say, oh, the family business is not go doing good because now she's doing podcasting. So somehow we think we cannot be all the things we are and we hide those things. And I think magic truly happens when we highlight those <laughs> things that makes us special. So. I love it when my husband plays music because I think people that know only the engineering side of him get blown away. And I love to see when that happens. That's awesome. Okay, great. Leticia, how do people get a hold of you? 
Well, I am um, during the pandemic, one of my passion projects was to create a webpage. So www.leticia with a C Latino.com. And uh, you know, that's where I put every aspect of me, me the CEO, me the podcaster, the family person. So that's really the best place to to connect with me. Okay, great. And people can talk to you about telecom. And then how, you know, what are some resources for people that are interested in careers in telecom? Well, definitely the up and coming broadbandcareers.com. It's a webpage that's being created by industry stakeholders to to socialize more. And then, you know, there's industry associations such as the Wireless Infrastructure Association and NATE that people can look up and, uh, you know, they have a lot of information there about the, the, the careers and the opportunities. Okay, great. And then you're also accessible on LinkedIn. That's how we met, right? Yes, I am. I'm accessible on LinkedIn and my podcast also has a Facebook page. It's all across social media. It's back to basics with the number two, back to basics, reconnecting to the essence of you. Awesome. Leticia, I've really enjoyed this. Thank you very much. I am one of those people that is never going to look at a tower the same again. Well, thank you, KJ, for this time and for advocating for the industry and raising awareness. That's that's really inspiring as well. And I love your show and all you're doing. Thank you. You bet. That's a wrap, everyone. If you learned something today, and I know you did, go tell someone about this podcast and tell people to disrupt their markets with a tidbit from this show. Thanks for listening to Disruption Interruption, where we transform lives, change consumer behavior, alter economics and the workforce, and never accept the status quo. Ciao for now. Because we live in a highly litigious society with America being one of the top litigious countries in the world, here's our legal disclaimer. This advice is not intended to be a substitute for professional public relations or legal advice. Do not disregard seeking professional legal healthcare or financial advice or delay seeking professional PR or legal advice because of something you've heard here. Contact an attorney to obtain advice on any particular legal issue or problem. Use of this podcast or our website or any of its social media or email links. Do not create an agency client relationship between Joto PR and the user.